The Troll House by W. W. Jacobs. It's all nonsense, said Jack Barnes. Of course people have died in the house. People die in every house. As for the noises, wind in the chimney and rats in the wainscot are very convincing to a nervous man. Give me another cup of tea, Melody. Lester White of us, said Melody. Who were presiding at the tea table? At a thief ever seen. You had two. Lester and White finished their cups with an irritating slowness, pausing between sips to sniff their over, to discover the sex and dates of arrival of the stranger which floated in some numbers in beverage. Miss Merlegal served them to the brim. Then, turning for the grimly expectant, Mr. Barnes blatantly requested him to ring for hot water. We try and keep your nerves in their present healthy condition, he remarked. For my part, I have a sort of half an hour belief in the supernatural. All sensible people have, said Lester. An aunt of mine saw a ghost once. White nodded. I had an uncle that saw one, he said. It always is somebody else that sees them, said Barnes. Well, there is a house, said Mellon Eagle, a little house at an absurdly low rent, that nobody will take it. It has taken toll of at least one life of every family that has lived there, however short of the time, and since it stood empty, a caretaker after taker had died there. The last caretaker died fifteen years ago. Exactly, said Barnes, long enough ago for legends to accumulate. I bet you're suffering. You won't spend the night there alone for all your talk, said White suddenly. And I, said Lester, no, said Barnes slowly, I won't believe, don't believe in ghosts, nor any supernatural being, whatever. Whatsoever. All the same, I admit, I shall not care to pass my night there alone. But why not, inquired White. Wind in the chimney, said Marelli, with a grin. Rats in a wainscoat, chimed in Lester. As you like, said Barnes, colouring. Suppose we all go, said Melanie Start after supper and get there about eleven. We have been walking for ten days now without an adventure. Said Barnes' discovery about that ditch which it smells longest. It will be novelty at any rate, and if we break the spell by all surviving, the grateful owner ought to come Home, ha- come down handsome. Let's see what the ha- landlord had to say about it first, said Lester. There is no fun in passing a night in an ordinary empty house. Let us make sure that it is haunted. He rang the bell, and sending for the landlord, appealed to him in the name of any our common humanity not to let them waste a night watching a house which spectres and hobgoblins had no part. The reply was more than reassuring, and the landlord, after describing with considerable art the exact appearance of a head which had been hanging out of a window in the moonlight, wound up with a polite but urgent request that he would settle his bill before they went. It is all very well for you, young gentlemen, to have your fun, he said indignantly, but suppose it is as how you all 
found dead in the morning. What about me? Isn't isn't called the toll house for nothing, you know. Who dared that died there last? Acquired Barnes with an air of polite derision. The tramp was the reply. He went there for the sake of his half a crown. They found him next morning, hanging from the bloodstusters, dead. Suicide, said Barnes, unsound mind. A landlord nodded. That is what the jury brought in, he said slowly. But his mind was sound enough when he went in there. I know him off and on for years. I am a poor man. I wouldn't but I wouldn't spend the night in the house for a hundred pounds. He repeatedly did his remarks, and they started their expedition. A few hours later, they left as the rain was closing, for the night bolts shot noisily beyond the, behind them. As the rectangular customers trudged slowly homewards, they set out a little face in the direction of the house. Most of the cottages had already in darkness, and lights in others went out as they passed. It seems rather hard we have to lose a night's rest in order to convince barns of existence of ghosts, said White. It is good call, said Merle, a worth, worth, a most worthy object, and something seems to tell me we shall succeed. We don't forget the candles. We didn't forget the candles, Lester. I had brought two, was the reply. All the old men could spare. There was li- li- there was, but little moon. The night was cloudy. A road between the high hedges was da- was dark. And one place where it ran through a wood, so black that they twice stumbled the uneven ground. At the side of it, leaving fancy leaving our comfortable bed for this," said White again. "Let me see this desirable resemblance, Scrooge." Lies to the right, does it? Further on, said Meligal. He walked for some time in silence, broken only by White's tribute to the softness, the cleanness, the comfort of the bed, which was seeding further and further into the distance. Under Meligal's guidance, they turned at last to the right, and after a walk of a quarter of a mile, saw the gates of the house before them. The lodge was almost hidden by overgrown shrubs, and the drove was choked with rank growths. Meligo leading, they pushed through until the dark part of the house loomed above them. This is the window in the back which we get in, so the landlord says, said Lester, as they stood before the hall door. Window, said Meligo. Nonsense, let's do the proper thing proper. Where's the knocker? He felt for it in the darkness, and gave it a thundering rat, rat a dat at the door. Don't play the fool, said Barnes crossly. Ghostly servants are all asleep, said Meagle gravely. But I wake them all before. I've done with them. It's scandalous keeping us out here in the dark. He piled the knocker again. A noise volleyed in the ambulance beyond. There was a sudden exclamation. He put on out his hands and stumbled forward. Why? It was open all the time, he said, with an odd catch in his voice. Come on. I don't believe it was open, said Lester. Hanging back, someone is playing us a trick. Nonsense, said Melagel sharply. Give me a candle, thanks. Who's got a match? Barnes reduced the box and struck one. 
Miligal, shielding the candle with his hand, led the way forward to the foot of the stairs. Shut the door, someone, he said. There's much, there's too much draught. Get it shut, said White, glancing behind him. Miligal fingered his chin. Who shut it, he inquired, looking down from one to the other. Who came in last? I did, said Lester, but I do not remember shutting it. Perhaps I did, though. The eagle, about to speak, thought better of it, and still carefully darting the flame, began to explore the house with others close behind. Shadows danced on the walls, alert in the corners as they proceeded. At the end of the patches they found a second staircase, ascending it slowly, gained the first floor. Careful, said Mean Eagle, as they gained the landing. He had held the candle forward and showed where the blasters had broken away. They peered curiously into the void beneath. This is where the tramp hanged himself, I suppose, he said carefully. You've got an unwholesome mind, said White as they walked on. This place is quite creepy enough without remembering that. But now let's find a comfortable room and have a nice whip of whiskey, a piece and pipe. How will, how will this do? He opened the door to the end of the passage and revealed a small square room. Miligal led the way with the candle of fires. Melting a drop or two to Talot, struck it on the mantelpiece. The others seated themselves on the floor watched her pleasantly as White drew from his pocket a small bottle of whiskey and a tin cup. Hmm, I forgot the water, he exclaimed. I'd better get some, said Van Eagle. He turned violently at the door bell handle, and the rusty jangling of a bell sounded from a distant kitchen. He rang again. Don't play the fool, said Barnes roughly. Miligo laughed. I only wanted to convince you, he said kindly. There ought to be, at any rate, one ghost in the servants' hall. Barnes held his hand for silence. Yes, said Miligo, with a grim, as the other two. Is anyone coming? I suppose we drop this game and go back, said Barnes suddenly. I don't believe in spirits, but nerves are outside. Be everyone's command, outside everybody's command. You may laugh as you like. But it really seemed to me that I heard a door open below and steps up the stairs. His voice was drowned, drowned in a roar of laughter. He is coming round, said Medieval with a smirk. By the time I have gone done with him, he'll be a confirmed believer. Well, who will go and get some water? Will you, Barnes? No, was there a lie. Is there any... There, if there is any, it might be not safe to drink. After all these years, said Lester, we must do without it. Maligal nodded and, taking a seat on the floor, held out his hand for the cup. Pipes are lit and clean. Wholesome smell of tobacco filled the room. White produced a pack of cards. Talk and laughter rang for the room and died away reluctantly in distant corridors. Empty rooms always delude me into the belief that I possess a deep voice, said Mary Eagle. Tomorrow, he started up with a smothered exclamation as the light went out. Suddenly, and something struck him on the head. 
The other sprang to their feet, and Millie Eagle laughed. It is a candle, he exclaimed. I didn't stick it in enough. Barnes struck a match, struck a match, and lighting a candle, struck it on the mantelpiece, and sitting down, took up his cards again. What was you I going to say? said Millie Eagle. Oh, I know, tomorrow I... Listen, said White, laying his hand on the other's sleeve. Open, upon my word, I really thought I heard a laugh. Look here, said Barnes. What do you think? What do you say to us going back? I've had enough of this. I keep fancying that I, that I hear things too. Sounds of something moving about the passage outside. I know it's only fancy, but it's uncomfortable. You may go if you want to, said Meligal. You can play dummy, or you may ask the tramp to take your hand as you do as you go downstairs. Barnes shivered, exclaimed angrily. He got up, walking to the half-closed door, listened. Come outside, said Mally, winking at the other two. I dare you to go down to the hall door and back by yourself. Barnes came back and bending forward, lit his pipe by the candle. I am nervous but rational, he said, blowing out a thin coil of smoke. My nerves tell me there is something prowling up and down long passages outside. My reason tells me that it all is nonsense. Where are my cards? He sat down again, and taking up his hand, looked for it carefully and led. You play, White, he said. Out of pools, White made no sign. Why, he's asleep, said Melody. Wake up, old man. Wake up and play. Zester, who was sitting next to him, took the sleeping man by the arm and shook him. Turning your first and then with some roughness, but White, with his back against the wall, with his head bowed, made no sign. Melanie Eagle bawled in his ear and turned a puzzled face to the other. He sleeps like the dead, he said, grimacing. Well, there's still three of us to keep each other company. Yes, said Lester, nodding. Unless, God, Lord, suppose, each spoke off and eyed him trembling. Suppose what? inquired the eagle. Nothing, stammered Lester. Let him wake. Let's wake him. Try him again. White, white. It's no good, said Melanie Eagle. Seriously, there's something wrong about that sleep. That's what I meant, said Lester. If he goes to sleep like that, why shouldn't? Mel Eagle sprang to his feet. Nonsense, he said roughly. He's tired out, that's all. Still, let's take him up and clear out. You got his legs, Barnes? We'll lead the way with your candle. Yes. Who's that? He looked up quickly towards the door. Thought I heard somebody let tap, he said, and his same face laughed. The same face laughed. Now, Lester, up with him. One, two. Lester, Lester. He sprang forward too late. Lester with his face buried in his arms, and rolled on the floor fast asleep. His utmost efforts failed to waken him. He, he is asleep, he stammered. Asleep. Barnes had taken the candle from the mantelpiece, stood peering at the sleepers in silence, dropping tallow over uh, the floor. We must get out of this, said Mel Eagle. Quick, Barnes hesitated. We can't leave them here, he began. We must, said Meagle in stodent tones. If you go to sleep, I shall go. Quick, come, 
He seized the other by the arm and strove to drag him to the door. Barnes shook him off and, putting the candle back on the mantelpiece, tried again to rouse the sleepers. It is no good, he said at last. I turning from them, watch my legal. Don't you go to sleep, he said anxiously. Regal shook his head. And he stood for some time in an easy silence. Might as well shut the door, said Barnes at last. He crossed over and closed it gently. Then a scuffling noise behind him. He turned and saw Meligal and a heap on the heap stone. With a sigh catch in his breath, he stood motionless inside the room. A candle fluttering on the draught showed dimly the grotesque attitudes of the sleeper. Beyond the door, it seemed to his overwrought imagination a strange and stealthy unrest. He tried to whistle, but his lips were parched in me- me- mechanical fashion. He stooped and began to pick up the cards which littered the floor. He stopped once or twice, stood with his bent head, listening, and rest outside seemed to increase. A loud creak sounded from the steps. Who's there? he cried loudly. The creaking ceased. He crossed to the door, and flinging open, strode out to the, into the corridor. As he walked, his fears left him suddenly. Come on, he cried with low laugh. Oh, all of you, all of you, show your faces. Your infernal ugly faces. Don't sulk. He laughed again and walked on. In a heap of the fireplace, put out his head tortoise fashion, and listened in horror to the retreating footsteps. Not until they become inaudible, the distance did the re- distance features relax. Good Lord, Lester, we've driven him mad, he said in a frightened whisper. We must go after him. That was no reply. But Eagle sprang to his feet. Did you hear? He heard, cried. Stop your falling now, this is serious, White. Lester, did you, do you hear? He bent and surveyed him in angry bewilderment. All right, he said with a trembling voice. You won't frighten me, you know. He turned away and walked with exaggerated carelessness in the direction of the door. He went outside and peeped through the crack. The sleepers did not stir. He glanced in the blackness behind, and then hastily into the room again. He stood for a few seconds regarding them. The stillness of the house was horrible. He could never, he could not hear them breathe. With a sudden resolved resolution, he snatched the candle from the mantelpiece and held the flame to the white finger. Then he reeled back, stupefied. The footsteps again became audible. He stood with the candle in his shaking hand, listening. He heard him ascending the further staircase, but he stopped suddenly as he went to the door. He walked a little way along the passage, and they went scurrying down the stairs. Then a jog trot along the corridor below. He went back to the main staircase. They ceased again. For a time he hung over the bolsters, listening and trying to pierce, uh, pierce the darkness below. Then slowly, step by step, he made his way downstairs, and holding the candle above his head, peered about him. Barnes, he cried, where are you? Shaking with fright, 
he made his way along the passage, and summing up with his courage, pushed open doors and gazed fearfully into empty rooms. Then quite suddenly he heard the footsteps in front of him. He followed closely for fear of extinguishing the candle, until they led him to last a vast bare kitchen with damp walls, a broken floor. In front of him, a door leading into an inside room had just closed. He ran towards it and flung it open. A cold air blew out a candle. He stood aghast. Barnes, he said again, cried again. Do not be afraid. It is I, my eagle. There was no answer. He stood gazing into the darkness. All the time the idea of something closed. A hand watching was upon him. Then suddenly the steps broke out overhead again. He drew back hastily. A passing through the kitchen groped his way along the narrow passages. He could now see better in the darkness, and finding himself at last at the foot of the staircase, began to ascend noisily. He reached the landing just in time to see a figure disappear round the angle of the wall. So careful to make no noise, he followed the sound of the steps until they led him to the floor, top floor. He cornered the chase at the end of a short passage. Barnes, he whispered, Barnes! Something stirred in the darkness. A small circle window at the end of the passage just softened the blackness and revealed the dim outlines of the motionless figure. My eagle, in place of advancing, stood almost as still as sudden horror. Doubt looked, took possession of him. With his eyes fixed on the shape in front, he fell back slowly, as if it advanced upon him, burst into a terrible cry. Barnes, for God's sake, it is you! Barnes, for God's sake, is it you? As echoes in his voice left the air quivering, but the figure before him paid no heed. For the moment he tried to brace his courage up to endure his approach, his approach, then with smothered cry he turned and fled. A passage is wound like a maze. He threaded them blindly in a vain search for the stairs. If he could get down and open the hall door. He caught his breath in a sob. The steps had begun again. At a lowering trot they clattered up and down the bare passages. In and out, up and down, as though in search of him. He stood appalled, and then, as they drew near, entered a small room and stood behind the door. As they rushed by, he came out and ran swiftly and honestly in the other direction. In a moment, the steps were after him. He found the long corridor, raced along at top speed. The stairs he knew were at the end. With the steps closed behind, he descended them in blind haste. The steps gained on him. He sank to the side to let them pass, still continuing his headlong flight. Then suddenly he slip, seemed to slip off the earth into space. Lester woke in the morning to find the sunshine steaming into the room, and White sitting up, regarding with some perplexity a badly blistered finger. Where are the others? inquired Lester. Gone, I suppose, said White. We must have been asleep. Lester rose, stretching his stiffened limbs, dusted the clothes of his hands, 
and went out into the passage, into the corridor. White followed. At the noise of their approach, a figure, which had been lying asleep at the other end, sat up and revealed the face of Barnes. Why? I've been asleep, he said in surprise. I don't remember coming here. How did I get here? Nice place to come for a nap, said Lester, severely, as he pointed to the gap in the voices. Look there, another yard and you would have been. And where you would have been? He walked carelessly to the edge, looked over. In response to his startled cry, the others drew near. All three stood gazing at the dead man below.